Welcome to another PI World podcast. This is an audio-only version offered as another way to enjoy our great content. A full video version can be seen on piworld.co.uk, where you can find many more videos of interest to investors. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to the presentation of our annual results. So I'm Gareth Wynne Davis. I've been chief executive of the business now for just over three years. Previously managing director of Wednesday Agricultural Supplies and before that uh, head of agriculture. So joined the business in 1999. My background is particularly commercial uh, sales and sales management. Hello, I'm Paul Roberts. I'm the uh, finance director. I've been with the business over 30 years and I enjoyed the growth ride that it's uh, been up until now. So for those who are not so so familiar with the business, our business is about supplying farmers and customers within rural communities. We started as an agricultural cooperative in 1918, became a PLC in 1992 and listed under the Ames market in 2004. I often use the phrase that we help farmers produce food in a sustainable manner by supplying most agricultural inputs with the exception of farm machinery. We have a very balanced business model. We supply both livestock and arable farmers, which provides a natural hedge within the business. You may be aware of the term horn v corn, and that means that sometimes um, uh, arable farmers are doing well and maybe livestock farmers aren't and vice versa. So that helps, that balanced business model helps us deliver consistent results. We report in two divisions, Agriculture, and within our agricultural division is our feed division. We manufacture and supply feed for dairy, beef, sheep, and free-range eggs. And we also supply raw materials for farmers and other manufacturers. Our arable division consists of seed processing, fertilizer marketing, and agrochemical sales. In addition to our subsidiary business, GrainLink, which is a grain marketing business. Glass and Grain is a subsidiary business based up in Lancashire, Glass and Dock on the River Loon, and that's also a balanced business, trading feed raw materials, manufacture specialist feed products, and also blending fertilizer. The specialist agricultural merchant division consists of our 54 depots. Our 54 depots are located across the western side of the country. 80% of the business is uh, business to business, resembles very much similar to a builder's merchant but the majority of the business is on account but anybody can go into our businesses to be able to pay by credit card or cash. Also includes Young's Animal Feeds where we manufacture and distribute a range of equine products predominantly to Wales and the Midlands and through our own agricultural depots and we have three small depots within Young's where people can come and collect products. Our routes to market include the Wednesday depots where people come and collect from. We can deliver to farm instead. We have a number of specialist catalogues, including online marketing. And our key point of difference are those expert advisors who meet farmers by appointment and sell through advice on farm. So our geographical reach, where we're situated, uh, the map in the middle gives you an idea. The darker the blue is where we have a greater market share. And uh, the whiter areas is where we're not particularly represented at this moment in time. We have 11 manufacturing sites on here. The orange symbols relate to where our fertilizer department, fertilizer processing sites are. Uh, The yellows are our feed manufacturing sites are. And the green is our seed processing plant at Shrewsbury. On the right-hand side 
indicates where agricultural depots are, predominantly on the western side of the country, because they actually serve livestock farmers more than arable farmers. Livestock farmers come and collect their products. Arable farmers would generally have their products delivered direct to farm. 54 depots, furthest north being Kendall in Cumbria, and the furthest south being Helston in Cornwall. We have 100 vehicles within our fleet. We run our own vehicle business, Wednesday branded vehicles. And currently in the business as a group is about 920 employees. So the operational highlights of the business, very, very pleased that the business has performed. A record performance here in the year, particularly supported by strong farm gate prices, which continue to strengthen during the financial year. Farming sentiment is strong and farmers are reinvested in their business. Also, the initiatives that we introduced uh, during the last two years have also contributed to the growth of the business. Double-digit growth from both divisions, both agriculture and specialist agricultural merchandising, particularly strong results from Glasson, and also we've seen growth within the agriculture and merchandising depots. The business continues to grow. The two senior management positions are now in place, and we're very pleased with the two acquisitions that we made earlier in the year, which bolstered our manufacturing capacity of fertilizer and also increase our geographical reach uh, into North Yorkshire. There's been challenges within trading, uh, particularly disruptions in supply and also the ongoing impact of the COVID pandemic. But the agility of the business has ensured that we've continued uh, to um, operate uh, both in manufacturing in the depots and in distribution and continue to service our customers uh, in a very professional way. Very, very pleased. It's the 18th year of consecutive dividend growth. And our balanced business model has certainly contributed to our strong results and puts us in a very good position to be able to grow within our strategic plan. I'd like to hand over to Paul, who will go through the financial key points. Thank you, Gareth. Um, I'm just quickly going to highlight uh, some of the main areas from the results for, uh, for the full year. Uh, starting off with uh, revenue, last year was obviously quite a milestone for the business, exceeding half a billion pounds of sales for the first time. And although it may seem a little strange to put it this way, revenue actually isn't the most important metric for uh, understanding the underlying performance of the business. And that's because we're subject to our commodity volatility, our price variations that we have very little control over. Our actual business model is what I refer to as an absolute unit margin model in that we tend to pass on underlying commodity prices straight through to our customers after adding an absolute margin to the category that we may be referring to. So revenue, again, can be subject to price change. And 2021 was a period of significant commodity inflation. During the year, we probably estimate that the impact on increased sales was somewhere in the region of about £45 million, where simply those underlying prices have added to our overall revenue. So an inflation rate of somewhere in the region of about 15% across many of our core categories during the year. However, that um, Garrett's already highlighted, we did generate our record profits during the year. 
up 37% at just under 11.5 million. And we're very pleased that that improvement actually came from across the group's activities. We have two core uh, reporting segments or divisions, and both of those segments actually improved their performance by just under 1.4 million each. So again, uh, a very pleasing across the board uh, performance. That profitability uh, fed through to earnings per share, although the headline 60% improvement is a little flattering on the basis that the comparative number from last year was after uh, some 1.2 million of exceptional costs incurred during that year. The commodity inflation that I've already talked about obviously has an adverse impact on working capital, more of which I'll talk about in a moment. But despite that impact, the liquidity position of the business is still extremely good with an improvement in, in net cash at the year end, which stood at just over nine million pounds. Another milestone during the financial year was moving through 100 million of net assets for the first time, with 105 million being the year-end balance, which equated to some £5.25 per share. Gareth's already mentioned the continued progressive dividend policy. We've been on the AIM market for some 18 years now, and uh, in every one of those years, we've actually increased the dividend year on year. The graphs on the next slide are simply demonstrating the progress of the business. These are the underlying key performance indicators that we tend to track. And indeed, that graph could have been extended uh, back to the left-hand side, all the way back to 2004 flotation. And that progress would have been fairly steady if you were to draw a trend line through it. Just turning to the detail of the results on the income statement, I've already mentioned the revenue situation. We tend to address the gross profit line as being the best metric for demonstrating the progress of the business. And you can see during the last financial year, that growth was some £7 million. Pounds. And I've already mentioned the improvement having come from across our activities. And that improvement in gross profit includes a contribution of somewhere in the region of £1.3 from two small bolt-on acquisitions that were completed during the year, an increase of some one and a half million from extra volume of products as we continue to grow our activities, but also because of the improved backdrop to our business sector, the balance around about four million has come from improving margins across that range of activities, as we previously mentioned. The group does have a number of joint ventures, and one significant one is Bibby Agriculture, a distributor of animal feed in Wales primarily. And uh, as a result of that improving backdrop, Bibby um, did have a very good year uh, as well, and uh, actually contributed to that higher result from, uh, from joint ventures. Just moving on to the balance sheet, uh, one area we like to highlight is that asset-backed nature of the business. The 105 million of net assets, as I've already mentioned, represents some £5.25 per share. But you can see that there are substantial amounts of fixed assets supporting the business as well. And you'll perhaps also notice that there is no pension deficit 
within our company, we were out of our defined benefit schemes many, many years ago. Uh, I mentioned the inflation, and that is reflected in the working capital elements on the, uh, on the balance sheet. You can see that stocks, uh, trade debtors, and indeed trade uh, creditors all show significant increases during the year. But despite uh, having to fund those higher balances on the balance sheet, I've highlighted in green there the elements of our net cash position, which obviously has been highlighted at 15.5 million, excluding the new IFRS treatment of property leases, which is technically treated as debt in accountancy terms. That strong cash flow is demonstrated by an old-fashioned cash statement here, starting off with EBITDA, profitability in cash terms. As a result of the commodity inflation, you can see the significant outflow of working capital, some £7 million in the year, as opposed to a £6 million inflow the previous year, which was a period of commodity deflation, with prices actually going down, resulting in, in less working capital being utilised. But strong cash generation from the business has enabled continued investment in our growth. So some 5 million invested in further fixed assets, particularly manufacturing capacity. The two small bolt-on acquisitions that I've mentioned accounted for a further 2 million or so of expenditure. And obviously we've continued with that progressive dividend policy all financed from the cash being generated by the business during the year and leaving a higher closing cash position at the year end. Cash is obviously quite an important factor for the business so that we can ensure that those commodity positions cause no difficulties. And we do have a very predictable nature of cash generation. Our year end in October does represent the trough of our cash requirements. It's the best time, which is why we have our year end of October. And you can see the balances there are generally uh, at their highest with our October year end results. The opposite part of that cycle tends to come with our interim results in April. And you can see the general flows of cash generation within the business. Just then, really by way of introduction for Gareth to give you some more detail on the divisional operations, we try to use this slide just to demonstrate the balanced nature of our business. We're very pleased that we've been able to maintain that balance during a period of growth from these results. The bar charts on the right there are still showing that improvement in similar proportions across two of the major segments. So maintaining that balance profile is very important for continued growth business. So the agricultural division includes feed, arable and glass and grain. Just as an introduction to this division, I'd like to give you an overview of the trading environment and what farmers are actually getting for their product is indicated on the top right-hand table. A particularly strong year for farm gate prices. They increased as the year went on. We actually saw record prices for both grain and red meat during the period. Free-range eggs stayed fairly stable throughout the year and milk continued to increase as we came into 2022. You notice there, mid-January, 32.55 pence per litre was the average uh, farm gate price for milk in the UK. That's actually strengthened since then, and likely to strengthen further to, what, to around about 34 to 35 pence uh, come April-May period. I haven't included pigs as a business, we supply a very little pig feed or products to pig farmers, tend to be an integrated system. Costs have also gone up. 
particularly on the bottom right-hand table, particularly feed, fertilizer and energy. Labour shortages have certainly been within the dairy sector and also within the food supply chain, particularly in meat processing plants and also logistics. However, 2021 has been a particularly good year for British agriculture. Our feed division is a balance. It's a balanced business model as we provide feed for dairy, beef, sheep and free-range eggs. Very, very pleased the performance of the feed division. It's shown a 6.5% growth year on year, and that's against a national trend of 1.4%. Very pleased with our growth within free-range eggs and dairy, where we have increased market share. Within our strategy, these two sectors are areas that we're targeting for growth. Uh, First and foremostly, because free-range eggs is a growth sector, dairy is a very stable sector and growing, and also they tend to be less impacted by weather patterns. For example, more extensive beef and sheep systems, more feed will be used if it's a hard winter, and less feed if it's an early spring. Very good production at our mill here in Sansom Fried. We've seen record productions, and margins throughout the year have been in line with expectation, despite the volatility of raw materials, and also increased costs of applying our customers, particularly in the cost of diesel for distribution. Electricity is the main source of power that we use for the feed plants. We were rather lucky maybe, but uh, we are now into a three-year period of a fixed electricity contract, having just gone through year one, where many others would now be faced with increased costs come the April-May period of this year. Looking forward, the first phase of our Carmarthen Mill project to double the capacity of that mill in Carmarthen will start this year. We'll also increase the emphasis of helping our farmers to feed their animals in a far more sustainable way by further developing climate-friendly diets. We have diets today that include soya and palm kernel, which are sourced sustainably. We'll also introduce into those diets a methane inhibitor Uh, That is approved by the Carbon Trust that will reduce methane excretion from ruminant animals by 9%, whilst at the same time increasing yield of milk by up to 4% and daily lightweight gain of beef animals by 10%. The winter has started strong. Uh, Feed demand uh, throughout the winter is likely to be strong. Whilst there's good silage stocks available, uh, the quality of that stock is variable. Going on to the arable sector, within this division, we market fertilizer, we process seed, and we also market agrochemicals in addition to GrainLink, which is our grain marketing business based in Shrewsbury. Following a very difficult and challenging first half of the year, the second half of the year performed particularly strongly, particularly GrainLink, as harvest became more normalized, and also the seed division. Grass seed sales, whilst being slightly back on last year, were actually ahead of the market, which is 10% back. We introduced into the business an environmental seed manager in March, and the emphasis on environmental seeds and the sales growth that we've had from that division is particularly pleasing. Environmental grass seed mixtures would include pollinators and deep-rooted herbs that will aid her soil structure and will certainly be part of farmers' um, Um, expectations and plans as they go forward into the environmental land management scheme, uh, which is part of how the government will support farmers going forward from 2024. The introduction of nitrate vulnerable zones, MDZs, into Wales 
uh, will mean that all farmers in Wales will have to have a nutrient management plan from 2024. We're in the process of training an increased number of staff to be able to help farmers with these plans. National recognised um, training as far as facts for fertiliser and basis for crop agronomy. During the autumn, we introduced into Shrewsbury into our seed processing capacity a new mixer, which will double the ability to mix grass seed at Shrewsbury. And also into the spring of this year, we'll, we'll introduce more technology into the plant with a colour sort coding, which actually um, separates cereal seed and allows us to be able to increase technology at the plant. Overall, as we go into this year, both cereal and all seed rate prices remain particularly strong, which increases our positive view of prospects for this part of the set of the business. Glass and Grain is our subsidiary business based up in Lancashire, an exceptional performance from Glasson with record results. As fertilizer prices rose during quarter four, the business benefited from one-off margins. As a manufacturer, we will always have belonging product and as prices increased, we were able to increase margins accordingly. At the same time, increased demand. We've seen record um, volumes of fertilizer manufactured by Glasson. And we're particularly pleased with the way that uh, business that we bought, Howden in Yorkshire, has come into the business. It was the fertilizer division of GB Helm Limited. Increased feed volumes have certainly helped our feed trading business at Glasson. And during the second half of the year, we restructured the business, discontinuing non-core activities such as Steve Dorian. So as we move forward, the business will concentrate on the three core activities, being fertilizer blending, feed raw material trading, and also specialist feed manufacturing, as we seek to do more of what we already do well. Specialist agricultural merchant division includes Winsley Depots and Young's Animal Feeds. Particularly good performance from the, from the agriculture merchant in division, well up on last year, 12% up on like-for-like -like sales, good strong performances from a number of branded products really. Wednesday branded feed, we produce our own feed into these depots, milk replaces, we're already market leaders in milk replaces, but we've seen a 30% increase in sales. Animal health with the market leaders at 12% of the market is a fairly fragmented market, but again we've seen growth there. And also from uh, farmers reinvesting into their businesses, the sales of fencing materials and uh, agricultural hardware. As farmers have more clarity now, they're better farm gate prices. And also on the results of the fact that this clarity of the of Brexit coming out of Europe, we know exactly which way we're going now. And the way government is going to support agriculture going forward, particularly from 2024. Significant increase in footfall throughout the depots on last year and also an increase in spend per transaction. Young's Animal Feeds, uh, the subsidiary business that I mentioned providing equine products, was also ahead of expectation. Our customers are able to access their accounts, pay their accounts if they should wish online, uh, look for quotations, and also be able to trade either by click and collect or having product delivered. Back in the springtime, we actually carried out a uh, a survey of our customer base of about 400 customers or so, including non-customers, by an independent company called Map of Agriculture. And that survey basically told us that our customers would be rather slow to engage to trade online. Uh, but we're particularly pleased that we are now in a position uh, to be able to help our farmers trade online as they do change their buying habits in due course, uh, particularly the younger generation coming through. 
So our next steps will continue with our digital engagement by rolling out the successful podcasts, uh, social media, and the further expansion on our online offering by the customer portal. Uh, the efficiencies within our depots will continue with our depot optimization program and particularly the training of our staff. We currently have about 200 individuals in the depot network who are trained with an AMTRA qualification, again a nationally recognized qualification to be able to um, advise and sell animal health products. And this gives us a point of difference between ourselves and many of our competitors. So the future and the outlook of 2022 and beyond, our growth strategy. We are well positioned to be able to grow the business within the two divisions. In late 2020, we overhauled the senior management of agricultural supplies. This restructure is now in place with the successful appointment of a group engineer and a sales and marketing director who will be responsible for increasing the skill set of both our staff on farms, advising our customers, those in the depots, will also be supported by the digital offering I mentioned and also our sales trading desk that form our multi-channel sales route to market. Following the two successful acquisitions during the year, we will continue to look for opportunities to add scale and expand geographically within a strategic plan. Manufacturing is very much part of our growth strategy, continuing to invest to increase capacity and become more environmentally efficient across our feed, seed and fertiliser processing plants. An ESG will also contribute to our growth as we seek efficiencies within our own business and also by providing products to work with our farmers who will be rewarded for delivering environmental outcomes and precision farming techniques in both arable and livestock farming. We do have a very clear ESG strategy Following the appointment of our Environmental and Sustainability Manager back in March 2021, we are now seeking to appoint an ESG Advisory Board to help us accelerate our ESG strategy and deliver our own objective of becoming carbon net zero by 2040. Throughout the business, we've introduced a number of carbon reducing initiatives, which includes biofuel within our fleet, hybrid cars, electric forklifts, and environmental management schemes within manufacturing. We've also become members of LEAF, linking the environment and farming, an organization which has been set up to promote more sustainable farming techniques, and also to connect the non-farming community with farms by running a number of farm open Sundays, which are attended by thousands of people across the nation by allowing people to come and see how farmers produce their food. I believe that Wednesday is particularly well positioned to offer solutions and to support our customers through a whole farm approach across all enterprises. We've engaged with Kaplor Energy, an independent company, to introduce leads to our customers to be able to bring onto their farms solar, wind and hydro projects. We will also return this year to hosting our own individual events within the business, the arable event. We invite arable farmers, sheep and beef event, sheep and beef farmers. These events are independent where we promote sustainable farming techniques by having practical demonstrations, a whole host of exhibitors and keynote speakers on the whole purpose of these events to introduce new products and ideas to increase efficiency and sustainability on farm.
So as we look forward, confidence has certainly returned to the agricultural sector and farming sentiment is strong. Following EU settlement, the UK government has now agreed, in principle, a number of trade deals with non-EU countries. And although some of these deals have increased the opportunity for food imports into the UK, they've opened, opened up new markets across the world at a time when, the glo- when global food demand is increasing. Trading in the new financial year has started in line with expectations, and Wednesday is well positioned to be able to deliver our objectives for the year. We are confident that our strategic plan, our strong cash flows, our robust balance sheet, and the balanced business model will enable us to continue our success into the future. How important are fertiliser sales to your overall profits? And how do you think the sharp rise in fertiliser prices will affect overall demand for fertilisers in the current financial year? Uh, fertiliser has been an interesting commodity during the uh, during this financial year um, in that uh, it was actually in the news uh, as a result of the, uh, the natural gas uh, price spike. Natural gas is the... Um, the core raw material for producing ammonium nitrate, uh, the main uh, fertilizer uh, category. And obviously, as a result of that, the main producer in the United Kingdom announced that they were um, going to close their plants uh, in the UK temporarily because it was uneconomic to actually uh, manufacture. That obviously hit the news headlines as a result of the impact it had on the byproduct, uh, which was CO2 production. And uh, the government ultimately had to step in to ensure that at least one of those plants was reopened. Uh, clearly, that announcement caused quite a spike in, uh, in prices, which the company did benefit from in a very short period of time, in that um, raw materials that were already in place for manufacturing uh, product obviously was ultimately sold into a marketplace at higher prices. We've identified that there's probably around about a half a million of contribution in last year's results, um, which was uh, really driven by that uh, by that one-off event. Prices do remain um, very high. Obviously, one of those plants remains closed. Uh, there is going to be a considerable shortage of, of product in the in the main spring um, use period. So. Um, the performance of our fertilizer business during the current year is likely to be depressed slightly because of the um, the, the caution that we will have over raw material prices potentially coming down. But uh, because of its manufacturing capability, our glassing business uh, is very focused on, on fertilizer production. It's quite important to us and uh, is, uh, is a major element of that uh, basket of categories that we promote ourselves as being the one-stop shop uh, to farmers for. Yeah, I'll just add to that, that um, supporting what Paul says. Uh, the economics of fertilizer is still strong. For example, uh, when fertilizer uh, trebled in price back in, uh, back in the autumn period, uh, the differential between grain price then is about £50 per tonne, uh, and fertiliser, a four-tonne crop, has added £15 a tonne onto that price. So, And the same would be true of dairy. The most economical way of, of, um, of feeding cows today is still through grass. So uh, as we look forward, fertiliser will be important uh, to growing food in the UK and to us as a business. 
thank you very much. Um, should we expect any further acquisitions in the next 12 to 24 months? Our growth strategy clearly includes acquisitions. Uh, we made two uh, during the, the last financial year, and uh, we're continually looking for opportunities uh, across our business. It's a balanced business that we have. So uh, whilst those two acquisitions last year was predominantly in the arable sector, fertilizer, and into a small trading business in Northeast Yorkshire, which is arable, we're always looking for opportunities to be able to grow our business, both in scale and from a, a geographical point of view. Um, some of those, uh, historically, we've done bolt-on acquisitions, the smaller ones, but we certainly have the appetite to be looking for larger acquisitions to give us uh, more scale and impact in certain parts of the business. Thank you. And you refer to being in line with expectations. Are you able to indicate what the expectations are for the next year? Certainly our house broker um, did issue an upgrade as a result of the uh, results that we're talking about today. And um, obviously the one-off impact of that fertilizer price um, did, did make a contribution to last year's figures. So our house broker has a stand for around 10 and a half million in the, uh, in the current financial year. Thank you very much. And um, what are the key risks for the business over the next 12 months? I don't think there's any particularly strong risks as such. Uh, obviously, um, uh, inflation, uh, whether that be uh, farmer inputs or inflation within our own business, the cost of running the business. But uh, you know, we're, we're particularly uh, pleased at the way we're doing that. I mentioned earlier on that uh, uh, fuel, um, uh, delivering product to farmers, obviously an increased cost than what we've had. Volatility in raw materials continues to happen. But I think that um, if you look at the, the cost of energy into the business, I also stated that we're year one into a three-year fixed period for electricity. Uh, there's all you know, farmers, they're doing particularly well at this moment in time. As we look at the agricultural uh, backdrop going forward, farm prices uh, certainly look that they will remain strong for the rest of the years of business. We engage with um uh, dairy consultants and arable consultants that look into those sectors particularly strong. And of course, there's always a political side as well, really. Um, currently, what will happen in Russia and the Ukraine might have an impact on some commodity prices. 30% of grain, which is exported throughout the world, comes out of Russia and the Ukraine. So, you know, arable, arable farmers may well see an increase in, in the product that they sell as a result of. But I think, to answer your question, I think the business is particularly um, uh, strong. Uh, we've got a good balance. Farmers are doing well at this particular time. And um, uh, whilst there are risks, I think uh, we are managing those risks well. Thank you. And you seem much more upbeat about the outlook for British farming post-Brexit than many commentators in the mainstream media. Do you think they're overdoing the doom and gloom for the outlook? Our clear point about Brexit is that there's clarity. Uh, so whilst we started the financial year, uh, and the unknown of what Brexit was going to bring, uh, the clarity of Brexit was that there was a free trade agreement with the U27, so therefore no tariffs. We export products. A third of the lamb that we export goes into Europe. That was likely to carry a 48% tariff. So I think the clarity of Brexit has certainly been a great help for the farming communities. Uh, I mentioned those trade deals, which can potentially be seen as a negative with Australia and New Zealand. 
you know, agreements to export more food into the UK in the long term without no tariffs. But I think the positive point I would take from those deals is that even with the low um, ex, um, t- um, quotas that they have today or the lower quotas, they do not fulfill those. As is stronger markets in, in Asia, particularly China, the cost of freight has gone up. And in due course, there will be also um, pressure on those deals because of the distance that food will travel, food miles, carbon footprint, etc. So I think the clarity of the EU settlement was certainly good for British farming, that we know where we are and there are no tariffs um, from India Europe. Thank you very much. And do you anticipate a reduction in cereal seed demand due to the movement in ELM schemes? Not significantly, no. There will be acreage taken out of arable cropping. Um, that will be likely to be the less productive acres on the fringes that may be implanted into environmental seed mixtures or even trees. There's 30% more grain used in the world today uh, than there was 10 years ago. So obviously food demand is strong. So whilst we will likely to see a reduction in acreage, it's fairly small. Um, Anderson's consultants who we work with indicated to myself last uh, last week when I spoke to them that as we are today, it's likely to be anywhere between a 2 and a 3% uh, reduction in the acreage sown for cereals in the UK when Elms comes into operation. Thank you. And the last two acquisitions took you into the eastern side of England. Are there particular geographic areas that you're targeting both in the short and medium term? I wouldn't say there's uh, any particular area that we're targeting specifically. Uh, the maps that uh, the map that I shown earlier on shown the dark the darker blue is where we're strong the lighter blue is where we are we're active but maybe not a hundred percent doing what we do as a business so a good example of that would be the southwest of England um, we've been down there now since 2014 with a number of agricultural depots uh, we don't have um, arable businesses there we don't have a feed business there so I think that the opportunity should come up that we're able to acquire a business. Uh, that will um, that will strengthen our position in our existing trading area, most certainly would. Uh, the eastern side, uh, where it's fairly white, as you can see, is an arable area. So um, I think really looking at the balance across the business is strengthening what we do in areas that we're already operating in and stretching our, our geographical spread in due course. So there's no particular that we're um, targeting but uh, looking to do more of what we already do well in areas that we can be stronger. Thank you. And how has the business been affected by the widely reported shortages of haulage drivers? And can you put a figure on the additional cost to the business? We're certainly not immune to what's going on uh, in the wider world. Um, but fortunately, um, we haven't been particularly affected by that specific issue. and. Um, I'd like to attribute that primarily to the fact that I think we're, um, you know, a good employer, particularly in our local area. We have always paid fair and good wages for um, well-respected teams. So um, we uh, probably also benefit from our rural location. We're certainly not situated anywhere near um, you know, the Northampton transport hubs or anything. So um, we, we, we haven't been particularly um, adversely impacted uh, from, from, from that particular scenario. 
Thank you. And what are your main growth markets you're investing in? I mentioned earlier on that our strategy is is balanced. Um, we've identified uh, uh, dairy and uh, free-range eggs as a sector that are growing. So we're, we're, we're certainly um, growing organically in, 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 those, uh, in those sectors, but also the balance of arable as well. Uh, our latest acquisition was a fertilizer blending plant up at, uh, in Yorkshire. Uh, that consolidated our position as the second largest fertilizer blender in the UK. So I think it's a balance across. There's nothing specific other than we've identified certain areas that we'd like to grow in, whether it be arable, uh, free-range eggs and dairy in particular. And, um, but uh, you know, that, that's our ambition, is to grow the business in a balance within the UK particularly mainland GB. Great, thank you. And do you see the forecast, your your broker's forecast of 10.5 million as conservative? And would you see there's potential for upside? Um, I mean, we're comfortable with the um, the broker's position. And um, I guess we are inherently um, a cautious uh, organisation. But we quite often uh, would like to point out that there are critical trading periods, critical seasons um, for our business, which uh, we always want to make sure we can navigate through um, before we can um, offer any sort of further uh, commentary or guidance on uh, on life performance. Uh, I mean, clearly we're in the middle of the peak winter um winter feeding season now which is uh very important for livestock farmers and then obviously later on during the year we have the harvest which is very important as far as um our arable activities so it's uh it's it's very difficult to actually uh, comment on um on, on likely outcomes on those um categories of trade are uh, you know well ahead of them so we we do remain cautious in the guidance that we that we give but we're comfortable with the uh with the numbers that they're talking about thank you and is feed activity a higher margin area for you and how would you like to develop this activity well feed feed manufacturing is capital intensive um so from a margin perspective it obviously has to support uh those activities but it's uh it's it's very important as as part of that overall package um we obviously manufacture bag feed as well which um we actually sell through our own depots so it's very good that we can uh actually have uh both elements of the margin from uh, from that category but um you know it is clearly an important factor and we are already investing in additional uh, in additional manufacturing capacity yes I mentioned earlier on that um at Carmarthen in southwest wales it is the second largest dairy field in the country. Uh, we have a mill down there. We manufacture circa about 140,000 tonnes per year at this moment in time. But between ourselves and uh, our, su- our successful JV business that Paul mentioned earlier on, Bibby, we're currently having uh, tonnes of feed manufactured by a third party down there. So we're able to repatriate a significant volume whilst also increase market share. At this moment in time, that mill only manufactures ruminant feed. Um, we, we take the poultry feed down from plants and fried, which is effectively a four-hour trip. So the, the, the mill in itself, as we in, invest into it, will not only increase capacity, it'll become more environmentally friendly with new production systems and also reduce uh, um, miles of, uh, of feed driven, really. And uh, we do know, having had discussions with some milk processors, 
that they will be looking for their farmers to be able to prove to them the carbon footprint uh, of products that they actually buy into the farm. So investing into the milling commodity uh, would, be, would be a significant uh, move for ourselves. It's a, it's a six million pound investment over a period of three years. We start this summer and uh, not only increasing the ability in that part of the world to grow our market share, but it will also free up some capacity from the mill here in Flamson Pride, which is also full during the winter months. Great, thank you. So what does CapEx look like over the next two to three years? Um, we, we certainly are intend increasing our levels of investment over the next two to three year um, period. We're obviously uh, expanding uh, on many, many fronts and it's uh, absolutely critical that um, we in our manufacturing operations uh, operate as uh, efficiently and um, as productively as we possibly can. So we certainly see a higher level of investment as uh, an insurance policy to, to, to make sure that we continue to be at the forefront of um, uh, our sector. Automation is uh, an important factor for us. And, um, you know, we will continue to invest um, at higher levels in both our feed, seed and fertilizer production uh, operations over over that period to make sure that we maintain our, our, our market share in those sectors. Thank you very much. And what do you expect Farmgate prices to do in the next 12 months? From the indications and, and, and the trends and the factors behind it from what we can see at this moment in time, I'd say that they're going to remain particularly strong. Um, I mentioned earlier on that it's, it's supply and demand. Uh, milk, milk, milk supply is slightly behind uh, where it has been in the previous year or so. Um, uh, red meat continues to be strong going into, into 2022. So whilst some of those commodities such as sheep and, and, uh, and beef may not be quite as high going forward as what they have been, but the trend will still be particularly strong. Um, arable market is strong all the way through to harvest. Uh, there's likely to be a good harvest in 2022 based on sowings. Sowings are slightly up on last year. But I think as we, as we look across the commodities that we're involved with, uh, whether it be milk, uh, grain, oilseed rape, uh, beef, sheep, I think those sectors are particularly strong. Uh, Free-range eggs likely to increase a little bit. And the reason why they were flat, uh, you may or may not be aware, but it is a growth sector. Free-range eggs is uh, predicted to grow by 20% over the next four years. And that's on the basis of the major retailers stating their ambitions that they will no longer be sourcing eggs from cage systems from 2025 forward. So the situation we have at the moment is that supply of free ranges slightly got ahead of demand, but that will correct itself in due course. So overall, I believe the farm gate prices will remain reasonably strong for the next 12 months. Thank you. And you mentioned that the harvest this year was more normal. What is a normal harvest? Uh, a norm, more normal harvest for winter for, for wheat is circa around about 14 million tonnes. So uh, UK harvest for wheat is 14 million tonnes in 2021. 20, uh, Previous harvest was a very, very low harvest based on bad weather, uh, just under 10 million tonnes. So 14 million tonnes is more normal. Uh, we have seen highs of 15, 16 million tonnes uh, prior to that. Thank you. And how did you select the two bolt-on acquisitions? Select the two bolt-on acquisitions. I guess really uh, those opportunities came from our connections in the marketplace. 
Uh, Helm Fertilizers um, was a standalone fertilizer business, part of a, a major a German chemical business. Uh, we do have a plant just down the road, seven miles away at Gould. Uh, the business was particularly known to us and the opportunity came up. Gould, our plant there was reasonably full. Um, and uh, Howden was only seven miles away. Um, that fertilizer business gave us a new customer base as well. So we selected the business on new customers and also increased capacity in the part of the UK where we needed them. Uh, the other business, which is AR Richardson, a business that was known to us, AR Agriculture, part of Armstrong Richardson rather, a business that was known to us and gave us the opportunity of, of extending our trading operations further north into Yorkshire and, uh, and just up into Durham. Great, thank you. And that's the end of questions. Gareth, do you have any closing remarks? I'd like to thank everybody for, for joining us this afternoon. Uh, I'd just like to say that um, I think the sector is in a good place and Wednesday is particularly well positioned uh, to grow on our consistent results of the past few years and to build a business into, into the future. We have a clear strategy and the strategy is about agriculture within the UK. PI World videos and podcasts are for general information and interest. They do not constitute any kind of recommendation or inducement to buy shares of any company. PI World is not offering any kind of financial advice and nothing in our material should be taken as such.